Guy Smith and I have been teammates for almost 15 years, and we've decided to take advantage of the downtime created by this coronavirus crisis and have some conversations about our favorite subjects in car racing. And we hope you all enjoy it. This is the first of many, I hope. Welcome to the 1620 Lounge. How has racing's personality changed, you know, over the last couple decades? And is it a good thing? I would say not. I mean, the last 10 years and even five years changed dramatically. I mean, there's always a shift, whether it be crew chiefs, team managers, mechanics, you know, shift through and they get older and then they retire. That's part of life, isn't it? And the same with drivers to an extent. But it just seems that, particularly on the driving side, the window is, seems to be quite short, almost like a footballer's season, you know, a footballer's career where they have this kind of short window of opportunity and then, and then they kind of like put out to grass. I think in motorsport, I think particularly in sports car racing, the benefits of being a good sports car racer is all about having that experience and having that ability to work in a team. I think that's missing these days. I think the young drivers are fast, but they're just missing on, you know, they need that guidance and that's missing. To be a professional driver or professional sportsman is very different to how it used to be, you know, even, even 10 years ago. You know, we, we all started later. We were older in our lives and it's all kids now. The lack of actual personality in racing, you know, you can't expect someone who's 16 no. To have a fully formed personality. But, but also that, that's driven by the pressure now is that the, the teams, particularly if you start from Formula One, and it's probably the same in IndyCar now, like with people like Colton Herter, is they want them younger. If they have a, a choice of a driver that's 25, 26, or someone that's 19, they're going to go for the young kid. And the problem is, is a lot of these kids, they get burnt out. By the time they get to 21, 22, they've either run out of money or run out of, of options. And then the career's over with. Whereas like for you and I, you know, we've been fortunate that, We've had long, <laughs> had long careers because, because we didn't give, you know, we, we didn't burn out at 21, 22 and, and we kept going. And actually, we get into you get into racing because you love racing, not because of any other reason. You get into racing because you love driving and you love competing, you love the teamwork. And actually, you know, to be able to do that for such a long time, I mean, Weaver was a you know, great one to go to almost 50. What a, what a great long career. Now, you maybe don't have the, you don't have the peaks that you get in Formula One, the big highs, but you're actually driving, competing for a much longer time, which is really what it's all about. You know, think about when we were kids growing up, right? Everybody in Formula One, they were all grown ups with hairy legs. A lot of cases, wives or divorces. There was an interesting story to tell that those became heroes. Like, because when you're 15 or 16, you, you look up to the Formula One guys and you're, or the, any of the drivers. You know, they were in their mid, early 30s. And then IndyCar was 40 to 50. So they were cool dudes. And Mario, you know, still, still, still kicking butt at like, you know, 50 or whatever he was at the, at the end. I mean, it was amazing. And now you see guys like Kanan or Castro Neves just getting ushered off the stage yeah. in their early 40s, treated like, you know, yesterday's man. When in reality, like their stories are the ones that people get more engaged with. My final years in Blancpain, you know, I still enjoyed the racing, but... The problem was, was when I first started racing blank pad, you're racing against really like seasoned pro guys that were really good and, and experienced and good racers. And then you, you could see the shift was more towards young drivers, maybe that were bringing money to come in. And they just didn't have the racecraft. So they were smashing into you. They were making crazy moves. And actually the racing wasn't fun. And you're just getting like, you know, basically punted around. 
So in that respect, it's a, it's a negative. Commercially, that's the way that the sport's gone, is that the, these guys are coming into, into motorsport, bringing funding, and that's kind of what makes it go around. So I think commercially, the teams have to take those younger paying drivers. I think maybe 10 years ago, even five years ago, there was maybe more funding, whether it be from manufacturers or sponsorship available, that the teams could choose the drivers, and they would always tend to go for a mixture of, yeah, someone, someone not too old for sure, but also someone with experience. It's kind of a, the balance. I think that has definitely tipped more towards the younger and experienced driver, which means, and also then in sports car racing as well, is with the, with the rate, driver rating. So the better you do as a driver and you become a you know, gold or a platinum or whatever you may become, almost you become penalized for that. Again, the value is being in a, in a good silver, which then pushes the drivers down to being the inexperienced young kids again. When I came up, you know, I didn't have the depth of the karting background that, that you had. But when I was coming up and I got the opportunity to jump into the prototype at 23, 24 years old, that was quite young at the time. I mean, it was right after Button and it was right after Raikkonen, you know, had kind of broken into Formula One. But those guys were in their early 20s, you know, and that was like a big deal then. And one of the things that I think has changed is it's almost like the whole age indexing of racing has gone 10 years younger. And I think that that's been, that's been a, a puzzling kind of trend because when we were coming up, you know, we were racing with guys in sports cars who were 20 years, 25 years older than us. I think both of us were probably, you could say our experiences for the time were unique because we were relative to the peers considerably younger what you know if you had to distill it down guy i mean with the mentoring and the process of handoff of, of all those acquired skills you know you got to work with some real veterans early on there was like an apprenticeship moment there and stephen johansson for you for yeah. sure where you were taking craft knowledge from the established guys and then applying it and putting your own imprint on it it feels to me like that that's gone missing a little bit so tell me about the 1995 test with Williams mm. and pair and contrast that with the outcome that you had there with what would happen nowadays, for mm. example. We always laugh about it, but obviously the test was for winning the, the Renault championship that year. And obviously Renault was the engine supplier to Williams. To drive the car, going from a driving a Formula Renault car was probably maybe 250 horsepower to a Formula One car was probably close to 1,000 horsepower. It was a, a huge step. But the car was just amazing to drive and actually, in, in some respects, easy. And I say that, I don't mean not in, not in a disrespectful way, but it was, it was an easy car to drive. To drive fast is always very difficult. But the test went well, and, and you know, I was comparable to, to Damon Hill, who was there at the time. But at the time, I was 21 years old. He was probably 33. I think he, maybe, I'm not sure if he'd won the World Championship at that point, or he was close, he was, he was won it the following year. But he, he won it the next year. So, so he was 33. So he was, that was kind of deemed, that was kind of like the normal age for a Formula One driver, 33. Me at 21, I was just a young kid. No chance of, of ever having a Formula One you know, drive. Like, you know, the opportunity was there, but not to be considered as a race driver. Obviously, Jacques Villeneuve came over that year, and he was probably one of the younger guys come over from IndyCar. But he'd done his apprenticeship in, in IndyCar and won the Indy 500. So he kind of, you know, still had to do his apprenticeship before that. And then it was really like a couple of years after that that Jensen's management team got him to test with, I think it was Prost, actually, initially, or Ligier, I can't remember which one it was. You know, he, and he did a really good test, and they were, like, stunned, and they were, like, really suitably impressed by him. Then that started open conversation with Williams. 
and he then became a Williams Formula One driver. And really, really, that was a tipping point for me. That was a point where a Formula One team said, this kid's got talent, he's quick, put him in, see how he goes. But the one, the one good thing I would say is that he'd been racing go-karts for like probably 10, 15 years before that. So although he was new to Formula One, he wasn't new to racing. And I think the thing that's in the favour of the like people like Max Verstappen, Lando Norris is, is that they've been racing from a very young age. So they've got that racecraft and they've been absolutely kind of polished all the way through to, to be, they've been groomed up as, as mini Formula One drivers. So they're doing the training, they have the management. It, it has changed. I think probably when we were younger, that wasn't really the same. You know, we kind of had to find our own way. And almost, almost as we were kind of coming up through the ranks, the tide was changing going back towards younger. So for example, you to be doing sports cars at 24 in a prototype. I mean, that's pretty young. I mean, that's like, that's like jumping through to like almost to IndyCar level at 24, which is, which is young. You know, that, that in some respects, you kind of, you kind of had a fast track there. I remember I was doing, I mean, I was doing Indy Lights at 24, 25. I was starting to feel a little bit old at that point. I felt, you know, there was, there was people like Jensen coming into Formula One at say 19, 20, and I was 22, 23 and still doing Indy Lights. So I think, I think probably late 90s was probably the, the point where things were starting to change. Uh, Juan Montoya came to IndyCar from obviously done Formula 3000, he came over to Ganassi, a rookie, and comes, comes out and wins the IndyCar Championship. And I think that's when people start to think, hang on a second, these kids are young, they're relatively inexperienced, but they're getting the job done. You can, you can argue and say, well, actually, yeah, there is some merit in that. There are some like, people like Verstappen coming in, there are some young kids, but I think there always is a balance of experience, because I think speed is a given. I think most people have the speed, give or take, you know, 10th here or 10th there, but it's all about the racecraft, the ability to work with the team. And you said earlier on about, you know, I've been really fortunate to work with people like Martin Brundle and Tom Christensen, Stephanie Hansen. And that was a big thing for me, having done sort of single seaters and then come into a sports car team and working with people, for example, like Brundle, he was probably the first guy that I worked with. On, on a pace-wise, probably not, not too dissimilar, but once we got into that debrief and we sat down and discussed the car, we broke it down, you know, he was just on another level. You know, it, it, all those years of Formula 1 racing and the way that he spoke about the car and, and, and broke it down and dissected what the car was doing just was, was just amazing on another level. And I think that's when you realise, actually, you know, you've got a lot to learn. But by being surrounded by those people, it makes you lift your game because, well, because you have to, because you have to, you have to be on their level. You have to try and get to their level. It was the same with, with Tom Christensen. You know, everybody has a different way of working, but you try and look at the, the good things that they do and the things that you can improve on and try and take a little bit from everybody. And ultimately, that makes you a more rounded, better driver. You know, you go to Le Mans and you've got to race in the different elements, the dark, you've got to share a car, traffic. There's so many different things that come into play outside of just driving the car fast. Because driving the car fast, most people can do, but driving it fast with all the other different speeds, you know, differentials and changing conditions, that's where the experience counts. Because if you don't have the experience, you'll, you'll make mistakes. I mean, I, in 2001, when I was doing my first race with Bentley, we had a, a problem where the car was sticking in gear. It stuck in sixth gear, came to an Arch corner. I tried to take the corner in sixth gear, which it wouldn't do. And Andy Wallace, who was my teammate, it was obviously a, a Dyson driver, a lot of experience. He just, he just straight lined it, you know, completely the most sensible thing to do, but it was just experience. Cause he, you know, he just, he probably had been there before, experienced it before. It's things like that, that experience counts for a lot. So yeah, I think it's, yeah, still makes a difference. If you put it on the other foot, you as a you as a as a as a team car owner, you know what what is it you look for in a driver? Because in the day, if you're hiring somebody, do you choose somebody on on speed, or do you choose somebody on consistency, or, or I guess it's a balance of both. 
I, I think our philosophy from a team standpoint was always to get guys who were seasoned, who weren't going to crash trying to go quickly, who, who felt confident in, in themselves, mm-hmm. who had enough of a track record that you put them in the car and they were going to deliver a result, but they were going to do it in the right way on track. Car was going to come back in one piece. You know, I think that that's something that's amazed me a little bit more about modern car ownership is that there was an intolerance for failure and particularly for crashing. You know, I think when we were coming up, if a guy crashed a couple of times, he was probably going to be gone. And now, you know, it's interesting because now it seems like there's more tolerance for mistakes and for failure, even if you put a fast guy up a level from mm-hmm. where he should be. I think that the, the perspective that we always had was, was maybe even was, was different for the time because we would always skew towards experience rather than just raw speed. But it served us well. It's probably been lost in the annals of history, but when you talk about how revolutionary the Button and Raikkonen jumps were at the time, you know, what would happen today if someone jumped in Hamilton's car and went as fast as Hamilton? Mercedes would sign the guy up instantly. He would be... The, the man in waiting, they would season him, they would cultivate him, he would probably become their simulator or development driver. And here you are doing a season in Formula Renault, and you got and you go as quick as the guy that just finished had finished second two years in a row in the world championship, won the world championship the next year, and was, you know, Adrian Newey's pet driver for developing the greatest cars of the 90s. It's kind of mind-boggling looking at it from a modern perspective that more didn't happen from that. I've always joked about how I think you would have been the next British world champion and you always think I'm flattering you. But I think, it, you know, I, I think you could have made a case on the day for as little time as you had in the thing to get in it and go that quickly. You know, and nowadays, it, you know, you look, you watch the Netflix show and every single driver is under the age of 24. Yeah. on the grid. You know, Raikkonen is a relic, whereas it's inverted from where it used to be. The, the, the sense of perspective is something that we could explore more. Memories of great teammates. I mm-hmm. mean, in your case, mm-hmm. I could throw out Stefan, I could throw out Dindo, I could throw out yeah. Tom. Stefan started off as a team boss originally. He was my team boss in Indy Lights. That's how I really got into sports car racing. And, and obviously then through John Wickham's, that in itself is a good, is a good piece. It's, it's yeah. how can I take my own insights and my own experience, my relationships with guests who I think are interesting, who I don't think are asked enough questions that could bring some unique perspective. I'm not a racing journalist, but I'm in the sport. That gives you some access to get some interesting answers out of people. You know, this isn't the rocking chair show. No. You know, and, and because we're still driving together. The conversation that we've been able to have you think over 15 years, one of the main reasons why we like going racing so much is we get to sit here and kill a lot of time talking about this stuff and really yeah. focusing on the craft, right? To me, like this is filling, this fills in the void for you and me not being at races together. We're doing something that I never do, which is I'm letting other people listen in. 